This is a time like never before when we need to learn to hold on, to hold on to what it is that God has spoken, what God has said, what God has for us, to hold on to his truth. This is a time in which we need to find our hope in him and in him alone. Um, I, I, I looked at uh, switching things up because I thought with everything going on, I certainly want to give out a, a message of hope, a place where we can find hope in this time. And I, I realized that, you know, it really doesn't matter as I was looking through the scriptures and seeing where to go, I, I realized that it really doesn't matter. The word of God is our hope. And wherever we're opening the word of God and placing the word of God into our lives, God is the one who begins to produce that hope that comes forth. It's a seed. It's something that God brings forth, that God sprouts in us. And so we look to him for our hope. And so I'm going to continue. And I believe that it's very relevant for where we're at and what we're going through in the word of God as we continue in this gospel of Luke, investigating and reading what Luke's investigation has given to us as the, uh, the, the end result of what he found by doing this in-depth investigation of this man who is God, Jesus Christ, the Lord. If you got your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 1. If you, again, if you don't, you can don't yet have it, you can download the app. If you have the app, you can open up the app. In the app, there is some sermon notes, and there are the scriptures. You can follow along with that. There's some fill-in-the-blanks that you can go ahead, and it'll help to keep you in tune with what we're talking about. And, uh, and then on the bottom, there's a place where you can actually take notes. And so if you uh, want to open up to that, you can. And again, I believe that'll help you to be able to look back over the sermon and be able to hear what it is that God has spoken to you through this. I pray that God speak to each and every one of us. Let me read to you in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. We went through some of this last week and, and what the scripture introduced to us last week. And over the last few weeks, he introduced Mary and Joseph to us. And so this is what the word says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. We talked about that last week. We went through this last week and talked. I'm not going to go back, and, but that's the, what we covered last week. And I want to begin this week in uh, Mary's response. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, the light of your word. I thank you, Lord, for the strength of your word unto the hearts of each and every one here that needs, Father, um, in, in their heart to receive from you. I pray that you administer to every life that's here, every life that's listening online. I pray in the name of Jesus that as your word has been sent, I pray that it would begin to heal, that it would begin to restore, that it would begin to refire, that it would begin to replenish in us, Lord, what it is we have need of for the day in which we are. Lord, your word is able to speak to each and every life, each and every ear that's here to hear. I pray, God, that you would bless them by ministering, Lord, the power of your word into their lives, into the very depths of their soul. Let your word become life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, 
Mary's response this is kind of where we're going to focus at today. Mary's response is extremely important to us. He, we had already been told, we had read a couple of weeks back when we looked at Zechariah the priest. Zechariah, he was this priest, this man of God. And, and this priest, the angel Gabriel, the same angel that came to Mary, also came to Zechariah. And the angel that came to Zechariah, he said to Zechariah, he gave him his, his promise and spoke to him about what was going to happen. And Zechariah's response, we learned, wasn't the greatest of responses. Zechariah, he didn't respond extremely well. In fact, he kind of came back with a, well, you know, how can I be sure of this? I don't know if you realize this or not, angel, but you came to an old man, and my wife is an old woman, and old men and old women don't usually have babies, just just trying to cue you in. So maybe you need to go back and find the, uh, the right person. He just, he, honestly, he talks too much. And that's evident in the fact that God shut him up. He closed his mouth. Now listen to Mary's response, though. Mary said this in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary doesn't have unbelief. She asks a question. It's simply a question that Mary asks. And I know that there are some of you that are here today that would say, you know, Pastor Mark, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's my God. I believe he's my Savior. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose for my salvation. I believe all those things. But I have questions. I've counseled with people that have come in and have been really upset in their cells about this, that, Pastor Mark, I believe in Jesus, but I got all these questions. So with all these questions, can I still really be a Christian? And the answer is definitely, absolutely yes. Of course you are still a Christian. Listen, there is a huge church, listen, there's a huge difference in unbelief Unbelief that says, I don't believe the Bible is true. I don't believe that Jesus is God. I don't believe that he was died for my sin. I don't believe that he went to the grave and arose from the grave. I don't believe. That's unbelief. Unbelief is different than questions. Questions are, you know, I believe the Bible is true. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the grave. But listen, I got a lot of questions about how it all happened. I mean, there's questions. And church, listen. Man, if our Christianity, if our form, if the, if the reality of Christianity in us isn't big enough for questions, if our God's not big enough for questions, then we got the wrong God. Again, Anselm, one of the church fathers, Anselm said this. He said, faith, he called it faith-seeking understanding. And that's what those questions are. It's our faith seeking understanding. It's, you know what, I believe this. What I'm doing is I'm trying to understand. I'm just trying to understand it. And that's Christianity. And those questions, they're okay. Mary does not demonstrate unbelief. She does not demonstrate. She doesn't come to the angel. The angel comes to her. She doesn't turn to the angel. Like, oh, just a minute, angel. Hold on a minute, Gabe. I don't know if you know this or not, but angels, I, I, you could be, angels don't have a lot of babies, but we humans do. And so let me tell you that in, in human beings, virgins don't have babies. All right? I didn't go to school. I'm not the brightest. But let me tell you, as a junior high virgin, I can tell you, we don't have babies. She didn't turn to the angel and start to argue with him. She didn't turn to the angel and start to disagree. And oh, no, no. She said, listen, I believe this can happen. How's it going to work? How's it going to work? And I think that's a fair question. Sure. I think it's a question, honestly, that more of us should be asking. I think if we ask this kind of question when God came and spoke something to our heart, when God brought something to us, when God began to speak to us about something, if we answered like this, if we responded to God by saying, okay, God, I believe this could happen. How's it going to work? I don't believe that we'd fall into the depths of unbelief like we do. Oh, no. See, God's a God. That can't happen. No, ask him this question. It's fair, and God loves it. And then the angel says in verses 35 and 36, he, he reveals who it is that's speaking to her. 
or through who he is the mouthpiece of. And he says this, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Mary, listen, I, the Holy Spirit's gonna do this. I'm gonna reveal to you, he's gonna reveal to you, the, the God of the impossible. And this is gonna be a miracle. It's gonna be only by the Holy Spirit. I want you to know this isn't gonna be of you. This is gonna be of him. And he's gonna do this. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then God says this. He, right before the angel leaves, the last thing the angel says, he says this. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. He tags this on to the end because he wants Mary very specifically to know something. I want to ask you, do you believe that? I mean, do we really believe that? I mean, do we believe that in the midst of coronavirus? Do we believe that in the midst of panic? Do we believe that in the midst of, of, of toilet paper shortages? And yes. Do we really believe that? Yes. You know, you've got to understand, we have to all understand that God, he's the God who created everything out of nothing. And the God who in the very beginning, this God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the God who created everything out of nothing is the God still today who creates everything out of nothing. Out of nothing, he creates anything. God created, listen, God can take an elderly woman that was barren and open her womb to conceive a child. God can take a virgin little junior high-aged girl like Mary and place his son in her. God can take on himself human flesh enter into human history as God the man Jesus the Christ. God can rise from death. God can raise us up from death. God can forgive you of your sins and cleanse you through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on a cross at Calvary. God can hear your prayers. God can answer your prayers. God can take enemies and he can make friends out of them. God can take and protect us and eradicate from us coronavirus. God is is able to do anything because nothing is impossible for our God. That is who we serve. That is who he is. Nothing is impossible for our God. Amen. Church, that's why we as Christians, why we find joy. That's why we are hopeful. That's why we sing praise unto him. That's why we worship him. That's why we pray because our God in whom we sing, the God in whom we pray, the God in whom we have hope, the God in whom we find peace is a God who says nothing is impossible for you. Because nothing is impossible for him. Our God is a God who takes nobodies from nowhere and he opens the door to create the Messiah that would bring forth eternal life. God takes nobodies from nowhere and opens up their life to give birth to ministries they never dreamed, hoped, even thought or conceived that they could see accomplished in their life. God is a God who takes nobodies from nowhere and he opens the door for churches to be birthed through them. This is what he does. This is who the God of the impossible is, and this is what he accomplishes, because nothing, and the angel tags this on to Mary, and he wants to tag it on to us, that nothing is impossible with God. I have watched God do miraculous things. I have come to this place where I don't count anything as impossible any longer because I've watched God take impossible situations and do the impossible in them. I've watched God take adulterous couples who literally hated each other. They had come to the place where they wanted to tear each other's eyes out. They didn't love each other. They didn't want each other. They were separated, headed for divorce. And I watched God bring them back as prodigals to the Father where God brought them in a place of repentance and they confessed their sins. They begun to draw back to each other to reconcile and they would renew their vows and they've gone on honeymoons and seen a brand new marriage birthed out of what was once totally and completely destroyed. When I never believed that something could happen in the midst of that relationship, God knew that all things were possible because he is the God of the impossible. He is the God who's able to do anything in any place, in any situation. Nothing, nothing, say it, Nothing, Nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. That is what the angel says. Amen. And again, I read that and I read that and, and it just kind of hit me. 
you know what? I think, I think the angel knows what he's talking about. I mean, I believe that. And Mary, in verse 38, and I, I do believe this next verse here to be one of the most amazing. Honestly, as I've been studying and reading it and going through this, the most amazing testimony, witness, statement made in Scripture. This is amazing. She reveals this simple faith. She says this. In all this, and again, remember, this is a little 12, 13, 14-year-old girl. God has not spoken to mankind in 400 years. He's been totally silent, and he shows up to her, and he makes this statement through the angel Gabriel, and Mary says this. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. This was a simple little girl from a simple little nowhere town with a simple little faith. And though it was a simple faith, it was a sincere faith. Mary knew very little. We talked about this. The odds were very great that Mary, Mary was illiterate, that she would not have been able to read. There was no, in these little towns, there was not very many that were formally educated. So Mary, she wouldn't have been able to read. She had no formal education. She would not have been able to have read the Old Testament scripture. She would not have been able to read any of the New Testament canons that were going around at that time. So what she would have had is little bits and pieces of scripture. She would have had little bits and pieces that she heard in synagogue or that she heard the priests declare or she heard read from the scrolls. She would have had little bits and little pieces that she knew from some of the songs that she had learned and some of the prayers that she had prayed or some of the prayers that she had heard prayed over her or with her. She had these little bits and pieces from all these places and she treasured them in her heart. Listen, church, she did not have a lot, but you know what she did have? Faith. She had faith. She had faith in what she believed. She believed what God said. You know, I, I really do believe this with all my heart that today, we, we have the greatest day in which we have so much information at our fingertips. But I believe that for many of us, it's become a detriment. We have, listen, we are overeducated and underapplied. We have so much more knowledge than what Mary had. And we have so much less faith in it. Mary had very little knowledge, but you know what she did have? She had faith in the knowledge that she had. She had faith in what she had heard. I know there's people that, oh my goodness, I need to learn more. I need to learn more and I need to learn more. I need to, I need to do this. I need to learn more. There's so much more I need to learn before I do this. And, and again, please, maybe you do. Education, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that first things first, maybe what you need to do is focus on believing what you've already been taught. Oh, Pastor Mark, I do, I believe, I, I do, I believe. I get that all the time. Everybody wants me to think they believe everything. I'm not talking about a simple statement of belief. I'm talking about the kind of belief, the real kind of belief, where we act upon it. Because if you're not willing to act upon it, you don't really believe it. A belief in all of those things is something that moves us to begin to believe to action. Faith without deeds is dead. God wants us to act upon what we believe. And even like Mary, she acted upon the very little that she knew. And look at what God did. Mary knows very little. But she was willing to act on what she did know. She trusts him. And that's why I believe this. I believe with all of my heart that the greatest miracle of all is faith. And not necessarily the faith that says I'm going to change my circumstances. I'm talking, and again, not that that's not good. I'm just saying that there's a faith that says, God, whatever my circumstances, I thank you that if you're with me, then I'm going to be able to make it through it all. I'm going to be able to make it through the Lord, whatever it is that your will would be, whatever it is that you have for me, Lord, I want to walk through this with you. Mary actually trusts God. Imagine that. Mary, and you know how we know that she trusts God? Because she took God at his word. 
God said it, Mary did it. She responds to the Lord. God says it. Nobody's heard from the Lord. I mean, he's been silent for 400 years. Mary hears this word from the angel, and Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant. Some of your translations, if you open it in your Bible, it would say, I am the Lord's handmaiden. You know what? Handmaiden was actually, she wasn't just a servant. Handmaiden is the lowest form of a servant. A handmaiden was a slave. And she's saying this, Whatever he wants, that's what I want. I will serve as he calls. I will do whatever he asks. And listen, church, that is absolutely amazing. This is incredible. Think about this. How many of us, we have our life charted out? I mean, we, we, we see this and this and this, and we, we've got our goals, and, and we've, got our, we've got everything scripted. We, we've got it all worked out, and this is the way it is, and we've got it all figured out. And, and we add a little prayer to that some from time to time, and we've got all these things in here that we've got all this scripted out. And then we go to God, and we say, okay, God, bless it. Make it happen. And if God... God forbid if God were to rewrite that script, we're not very happy about it. In fact, we're, we're mad at God. How, wait a minute, how dare you, God? It's like we get indignant. Who do you think you are? I had my script written out. I had it all planned out. I told you how this was going to happen. I asked you to bless it, and you refused. This whole God, God must not be real, because God, it didn't work. And people end up angry at God, and they walk away from God, because we have these things scripted out, and we don't like it when God doesn't work out according to our script, when God erases things, when God totally rewrites things. Listen, you don't think Mary had a script for her life? Think about what Mary was going towards, where she was headed. Mary was about to marry Joseph. She was about ready to have this. And again, it may not have been a big or elaborate wedding, but it was going to be a great wedding because it was her wedding. And she was going to go and she was going to get married and she was going to have a wedding and she was actually going to be able to fit into her dress. And they were going to come together and they were going to consummate their marriage and they were going to move in together and they were going to come and make a family together and they were going to have children together and everything was going to be good and people were going to think that she was a good person and nobody was going to call her a tramp. Nobody was going to call her a whore. Nobody was going to call her a harlot because she was a virgin when she got married. She had it all scripted out. And the angel shows up and basically says... Mary, new script. And she says, this junior high girl, or aged girl, says, Lord, whatever you want. Lord, you get to write the script for my life. And I trust you. And I love you. And I am your servant said the junior high aged illiterate nobody from nowhere girl what an amazing act of faith and what's even more is that we read over that and we read over that and we read over that but I think we miss something when we don't look culturally at what the circumstances were what she was willing to give up what she was willing to let loose of because of this word this is saying some things to us and again a couple of things that, that Mary is saying in the statement that she made and how she made it one is she's saying this that she's saying that she does not idolize marriage Mary did not idolize Joseph Mary did not idolize her identity. Mary did not idolize her future. Mary did not idolize her comfort. Mary did not idolize her security. Listen, she was willing. Mary became willing with open hands to forgive all that. Mary had her script in her hand, and the angel came, and in that moment, Mary, with one word from God, from the God who had not spoken 400 years to mankind, just one moment, this God, he shows up, and Mary takes the script in her hand, and one word from God, and she's willing to open up her hands and let it all be taken from her. 
All of it. Do you know there was provision in the law in that day that Joseph actually could divorce Mary? In Matthew's gospel, Joseph was already planning to do that. He was planning to divorce her. And the angel shows up to Joseph and says, Joseph, new script. And what Mary's saying in her statement, because Joseph had the right and probably everybody around him encouraging him to divorce her, she's saying, God, if I don't get to marry Joseph, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be all right, Lord. How many of you ladies, how many of you men, you're preparing your wedding? You're getting ready to be married. The invitations are printed. You're registered at all the stores. You got the place all set out. You're going to have this wedding. And, and God shows up and says, no, you need to let it go. You may not ever be married because you may very likely be divorced before you ever do get married. How many of you would say, okay, God, I'm totally fine with that. Look, there's some of you that have fought through that already. God has spoken that. And we said, oh, no, 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 we're, gonna, we're holding on to our script. We're holding on to this plan that we have. We're holding on to this. How many of us in a situation like that would say, Lord, I'm totally fine. You know what? God, okay, if that's your will, it's not a problem. Whatever you want, God. Because that's what Mary did. That's what she did. Do you know that in that time as well, there was also provision in the law that, and Mary knew this, she would have known this, that Mary, she, they could have made an example of her for all the other young women. What they could have done is they could have taken her and they could have stripped her naked, redressed her in rags, verbally abused her, physically abused her, set her in the middle of the town, tied her up and called her a whore, called her a tramp, called her a harlot and left her tied up in the middle of the town square so that all the other women in this little community would see her and that they would know that adultery and fornication is unacceptable. She knew that that's what could happen. And she said, okay, God, I'm going to be okay with this. I'll let go of Joseph, and I'll let go of my reputation. Mary knew that for the right, listen, Jesus' ministry, he didn't start into his ministry until his 30s. Mary knew that she was going to have to raise this little boy in this community that they were in. That for the rest of her life, these people around there would call her a whore, would call her a harlot, would call her a tramp. She knew that Jesus, as, as he was growing up as a little boy, that Jesus would hear people say, the little boy's teasing, at least, at least we know who our mom is. Meaning that, hey, your mom was with so many people, you don't even know who your dad is. You don't even know who your dad is. She knew that Jesus would, know, would hear those things. Can't you imagine Jesus saying back to these little, little boys that were tormenting? But you don't understand. Don't you know? My mom was a virgin. Oh, yeah. Lots of virgins having babies in Nazareth because that's where God always shows up. And it's Nazareth. Sure, Jesus. Yeah, okay. That's what they told you, huh? Wow. We believe you. Imagine the kind of mocking and the kind of ridicule, the kind of dishonor. Listen, I wonder if that was part of why Jesus later made the statement that the prophet doesn't have honor in his own hometown. Again, but Mary? Mary was willing to take the script to open up her hands and become willing to let go of her comfort to let go of her security, to let go of her identity, to let go of her reputation, to let go of her marriage. And I find this amazing. She doesn't even blink. It's like instantaneous. I am a servant of the Lord, whatever he would have for me. I am a servant of the Lord, whatever he would have for me. 
Now, the angel, listen, I, and I know that God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sent the angel Gabriel to talk to them, told them what to say. The angel came to Mary and said what God told him to say to her. Mary, in the fulfillment of that word, had that baby and raised that baby. And I find this, again, this hit me really hard as I was putting this all together. I, uh, I see in all of this that Mary's response to the angel, Mary's response to God, is something that would be imitated by her son. Think about what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was asked to atone for the sins of mankind by the shedding of his blood. Listen to what it is that Jesus said in Mark chapter 14 and see if this doesn't sound familiar. In verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. I wonder how many times God heard his mother say that when he was growing up as a little boy. Remove this cup from me. And then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. I wonder how many times that little boy heard his mom repeat those words. Look, you know, I, and I, I know that it was God who spoke those things, but listen, there's a lot of times in this life or in the life that he had where Jesus sounded an awful lot like his mom. Amen? And then what we happens is, is, is history starts to progress forward. And from that point forward, we, we, we have the, the theologians and the traditions and religion and all of these agendas start to set in. And what happens is that on one side of the coin, people, there's people and religions that make way too much of Mary. And on this side of the coin, there's those religions and people that make way too little of Mary. I will say, and again, I'm not saying this to be mean or mean-spirited towards anything. This is just truth, and you can look these things up. But Catholics and, and Orthodox Christians, they tend to make too much of Mary. I was raised Catholic. I learned all these things as Catholic. I, there were some of these things that I learned as a Catholic boy that my dad, he, they taught us because it was Catholicism, but my dad said, I don't know if I believe that, though. Then why did you teach it to us as Truth. But they do. I was raised that way. I, I was an altar boy. I knew the I knew the prayer to Mary. I said that prayer to Mary probably almost every day of my life as a little boy. And I want you to know, I, I want those at home. I don't hate Catholics. I don't. My, many of my family members are, are wonderful Catholic people that have come to know Jesus Christ. So I'm not hating on Catholics, but I will say that the doctrine has really truly missed us some things, and there's some things that are terribly wrong. And this would be one of them. They will add to Scripture without any foundation or any base. One of the things that I was taught, and one of the things you can find if you look it up, they will say that not only was Mary able to give birth to Jesus as a virgin, but her mom was a virgin also. That Mary was conceived of a virgin birth. Now listen, there is no evidence for that. You don't find it anywhere. It's not any place in any of the ancient writings. It's not in any of the scrolls. It's not anything anywhere in Scripture. There's no evidence anywhere for that. There also, they will say, in making too much, they say that, well, Jesus was sinless, so Mary was sinless too. That's not true. The scripture tells us that Mary went to the temple to offer sacrifice for her sin just like everybody else did. Mary, listen, Mary was a sinner and Mary needed a savior. Mary needed her son, the savior, to save her from her sin. Just like you and I need Jesus, her son, to be the savior that will save us from our sin as well. They are those that in in these different religious faiths that say that Mary was ever virgin. She never had any intimacy with Joseph. Which again, I find, I mean, either 
that doctrine is true or the scriptures are true because the Bible says that Jesus had brothers and sisters. They can't both be true. And this I found concerning. In recent years, the Pope has said that Mary is the co-mediator, the co-redemptor along with Jesus. Let me say, that is not true. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one mediator. He didn't say there's two mediators. He said there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Jesus Christ. It is he and he alone. Listen, Mary does not mediate between us and God. Mary does not connect us to God. Only Jesus mediates between us and God. Only Jesus has the ability to connect us with God, and it is only by grace. Mary is not the co-redeemer. Listen, there's not a single one of us that's gonna stand before God one day and we're gonna say, God, I just wanna thank you for saving me and I wanna thank you for saving me through Jesus and Mary. I, I think that if anybody who finds themselves in a place where they say, I think Mary's gonna be standing behind them going, And then, and I learned this as a boy, they pray to Mary. Again, if you grew up Catholic, I, I, like many people, you learned this, you prayed this. I prayed it almost every day as a little boy. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I regret ever having been made to pray that prayer. And I'm sorry that I did. And I'll never pray that prayer again. I did not just pray that prayer. I was reading you something as an example. I do not want you to think for a moment that that was a prayer. Because I believe with all my heart that that prayer is absolutely and totally unacceptable. And it's because it prays that Mary is the giver of grace. It says that Mary is the one that we turn to in our hour of death. It says that Mary is the one who gives the giver of grace, not the receiver of grace. Listen, church, you do not go to Mary for grace. You will not find Mary and having the ability to give you grace. You go to the same place that Mary went to get grace. You get grace from the same place that she got grace. Grace does not come from Mary. Grace comes from God. And if you're going to try to get it from Mary, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Only God can extend grace. You got grace like Mary gets grace. And you go to the same place to get grace that Mary will get grace. She received that grace from God and we receive it from God the same place she did. Amen. And all of those things, all of those things being true, because of all that, there are those then who make way too little of Mary. Some of the Protestant churches today won't even really speak of Mary. They'll say that she was the mother of Jesus and, and then go on to something else, go to another topic, just sort of skip over her. I was reading and there's a, a well-known pastor, he had, uh, he had, again, a, he had a really good, powerful church and he fell in a way and, and wrote a book. And in that book, he wrote this, and these are just, I'm just gonna read this. He said that maybe the virgin conception and birth were taken from pagan mythology. Maybe Jesus' mother was a lying harlot. If so, what's the big loss? Listen, if anywhere the scripture lies, it's a problem. And if the Bible lies about Jesus, if Mary lied about this boy who would grow up saying that he's God, listen, how does that not affect the story? How does that, how do, how do you stand, how do you believe somebody that will lie to you? How can you believe a scripture that would lie to you? Church, that's terrible. Jesus Christ truly is who he said he is. Mary truly did go through what she did. And Luke went out and investigated this. He went out and talked to all of the witnesses and all of the people. I want you to know it is as he said. Mary, listen, we're not to make too much of Mary, nor are we to make too little of Mary. 
She is an example for you and for me. We want to believe about Mary. We want to believe what God says about Mary, what the Scripture teaches about Mary. We want to believe about this, what Scripture says. And Scripture says this, that she did. She loved the Lord, but she was not a perfect woman. She was a woman that needed a Savior just like we do. The Scripture tells us that she was a woman of faith, though. She had a great but simple faith. And in the most amazing moment of her humble life, listen, at the most amazing moment, God comes to this little girl with the script in her hand. And in a moment, in humble willingness to submit, she opens up her hands and says, God, I'm willing to let go of my reputation." I'm willing to let go of her marriage, her comfort, her security. Why? So that she could serve the Lord. So that she could serve God. So that she could lovingly do as Jesus had called her to do. Please let me, let me say this and please hear me. Mary should not nor never be the object of faith but she should be a wonderful example of faith. Every single one of us should aspire to have a faith like Mary. A faith that but says, by grace, Lord God, I love you. A faith that's, that's there to, to love God and to trust God and to serve God like she did. A tr- willingness, a faith that says, I'm willing to let go, God, of whatever it is you're asking me to let go of. The uh, kind of heartfelt devotion that Mary had, the kind of affection that she had for Jesus. That's what he wants for us. That she not that she would be the object of our faith, but that she would be a wonderful example of faith for us. Mary had a simple faith. A simple girl from a simple town with a simple faith. And look at what God did when she truly, totally believed and trusted in what he was already saying. She had her own faith. You have your own faith. We all walk it all out. We all grow as we call. But you know what? The one thing she had that really was an encouragement to her faith is that she loved the Lord. This was a 12, 13, 14-year-old little virgin that was illiterate from this tiny town in Nowhereville. And what does God do? God comes to her. God comes to her. It's amazing that God could send an angel on, the, on his behalf the most important words that have ever been uttered. He, was, he would send an angel to bring the most important message that's ever been announced and he would send the angel to go to a junior high aged girl. Man, my, when my kids were junior high age, I was lucky to get them to remember what they did in school. Most of the time they didn't even remember that. What'd you learn today? Nothing. What'd you do today? Nothing. Who'd you talk to today? No one. (laughs) And he's homeschooled. (laughs) But God comes to her and he speaks to this little girl. And you know what I find amazing? Is that not only did God see fit to send the angel to bring this message to a 12, 13 year old girl, but he also knew that she was fully capable to receive that message. Man. And the angel lays out this plan of God. And he speaks this plan. And God knew that this junior high-aged girl was fully capable of responding to that message by faith. As a junior high-aged girl. You know, one of the things that really hit me in that is that we as today, we, we, honestly, I'll just say, we need to start expecting more of our kids. 
We need to start expecting more of our kids. We need to start expecting that our kids can hear from God and that our kids have the capability of responding to God. We've got to begin to believe that our kids can hear the plan of God, that our kids can make decisions and choices as we begin to release unto them the opportunity to grow in their own faith with God. We have to begin to believe that our kids can respond, that our kids can be holy before God. We have to begin to expect more. Worship team, would you come on back up, please? Listen, for those who are here today, and maybe in your life you have uh, walked away from God, maybe today you're walking in sin, you're walking in a place of, of promiscuity, maybe you're walking in a place of hidden sin, maybe you've disobeyed God, you're, you're in a place of rebellion with God, in a place where you, listen, Maybe today you're in this place where you've done some stupid stuff and you're embarrassed of it. I want you to know that Jesus Christ forgives. That Jesus Christ can totally and completely and will forgive you and he gives you the opportunity for a fresh and a clean start. That he comes to wash us as white as snow, to take away the sin of our life and to give us a hope and a purpose. He calls us into that place of repentance and that's where it's gotta begin. And in that place of repentance, he gives us the opportunity to experience all of that. The release of guilt, the release of sin, the release of condemnation, the opportunity to look into the mirror and not see the brokenness of sin, the brokenness of this world, to not look into the mirror and see all of the things that were not, but to be able to look into the mirror through the blessed blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sin, to look into the mirror and believe what God says about you, to look into the mirror and believe what he has spoken over you, that you are his workmanship. You are his custom crafted, one of a kind masterpiece that he created before the beginning of time and his plans and his purposes are for you, that God has a destiny, that God has a hope, that God has a purpose, that God has a script for you because he wants you to walk in his will. He has a plan for what it is you have to go through and where you are. God wants to use you. And let me also say, if God can take a little 12, 13-year-old virgin girl and birth the Messiah, eternal life through her, what is it that God can't do through each and every one of you? What is it that's impossible? Our God says, nothing is impossible. Church, repent. This is something that needs to begin to flow, not out of the church, but in the church. The church needs to come to a place of repentance. We have got to begin to repent of our sin, begin to repent of our complacency, to begin to repent of our darkness, to begin to repent for the excuses and reasons why we justify our sin in our life. It's time for the church to begin to repent. It must begin in the house of God. That's where judgment begins, and it needs to start with each and every one of us, each and every one of you. And today, I cry out, repent. Maybe you find that offensive. Repent. And again, I say repent. We need to turn to God. We need to repent. And we need to come to a place where in the cleansing power of Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to just believe. While you're clouded in darkness and sin and condemnation, it will cloud it all out. And it makes it almost impossible to truly believe. God wants us to repent, to be cleansed, and to believe so that we can hear the word of the Lord over ourselves. That you can hear what it is that I'm saying to you today. And we could turn to God with an open and honest heart and say, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Okay, God, I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever you want, that's what I want. I want you to know that you don't have to be worldly. You don't have to. You young people, you don't have to be worldly. You can be godly. You can make those choices and decisions just like this little girl made those decisions. 
Listen, one of the things that you would never hear in the Runyon household is, well, my kids are just 12, 13 now, so they're just going to rebel for a period of time, so we're just going to let them go wild and let them go off and sin and let them go do what they want. You know what? It's just going to happen because it's that age. No way. We are professing and proclaiming the prophecy of God over their lives and declaring the goodness, the wholesomeness of God in their lives. Our kids will not walk in worldly ways, that they're going to be godly. It's not going to be acceptable because, listen, church, that's what I want for my son. That's what I want for my daughters. That's what I want for my sons and daughters in the Lord. That's what I long for, for our church family, that we, that they, that we would walk with Jesus like Mary did. She walked with God faithfully. She walked with God as a wonderful example for you and for me. Not perfect, but a wonderful example. In church, in a day when sexual sins are so prevalent, pornography is just running rampant. I spent most of my morning before church today, I spent time today talking to somebody that has been struggling and exposed in this addiction to pornography and the destructive trail that's been left. It's, it's totally and completely overwhelming. Rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft, has become acceptable. In fact, it's become almost expected. And in a time, honestly, in a time when people are exceedingly selfish, listen, as pastor, I know this, I have to carefully choose my words as to what and how I'm going to say things because I know that when I start to say things and, and start telling people or, feel, or people feel like I'm telling them what to do, they start to recoil and they say, well, who does Pastor Mark think he is? Who does he think he is getting up in my business? What does he have any business in my business? I'm going to find a church where they won't get in my business. You know what? You're going to have to go find a church that won't get up in your business then because I love you too much not to get up in your business. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stop. You need to hear what God has to say to you. You need to learn to not be so selfish in this selfish world. It's been ingrained in us. We totally and completely are self-consumed. We are so narcissistic to the core. And in this time, with all of that being true, God is looking for a people that will rise up in these moments, that will take the script of their life and hold it up to God and say, Lord, whatever you will, God, they'll walk like Mary walked and say, God, open hands. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me as your word declares. God, what you want, I want. He's searching for a people that will do just that. And Mary is a wonderful example for you and for me. And she should inspire hope in us. She should inspire the will of God for you and for me. But let me close, close with this question to you. What is the Lord asking of you? What is the Lord? What's he come to you and what's he asking of you? What's the script in your hand that you've closed off? So, oh, no, no, no. See, there's a lot of people today, you know, especially in the church. Oh yeah, I've got an open hand. But behind our back is what we're holding on to, whether it be sin or, or a promiscuity or something in our life that we're holding on to. And we say, God, you can have it all. Accept this. What is this in your life? Because until you become willing to do that, God said, let's go around the mountain again. Let's go around the mountain again. 
What is God asking of you? And, in, and he tells you, count the cost. Mary knew the cost. In a moment, let it be unto me as your word declares. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you. And I thank you, God, for those that are here, for those that are listening. I thank you, Lord, for ministering to each and every heart, for allowing us, Father God, to be filled with faith. Help us to trust in what you say. Help us to trust in what your written word has been, that's been given to us. And help us, Lord, to trust in the voice of the Holy Spirit that would illuminate that word in our lives, that would speak into our hearts about things that are to come, that would challenge us in faith, that would call us to deeds. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to those who are lost and help them, Father God, to find their way, drawn to the light of Jesus Christ. I pray for them today, Lord, that they would call out and command, or call out, Lord God, in compassion, let your Holy Spirit come upon them to forgive, Lord, and bring grace to cleanse the blood of Jesus to make whole. For the prodigals, I pray that today would be a homecoming. That God, we would let go of the script and the circumstances that our script has brought into our life. Come on, how many of you know that the script that we have oftentimes leads us to the pig pen? And God will let you go there until you finally say, okay, God, I'm gonna let go. Lord, here I am, a servant of the Most High. And the father says, oh, no, no, no. Listen, go get the robe. Go get the ring. Go get the sandals. My son, my daughter has come home. Call him home, Lord. Call home the prodigals. Call home the lost. Call him home, Lord. Do it, Lord. I'm going to let him speak to you. God of new beginnings and I pray that you will take in the spirit and the intent that I so longed and so desired to bring this message to you with that you will hear my heart I love you and I pray that God has spoken to you that God will minister his love to you because I don't want this to be anything but a, a, a ministry of love from the throne of grace to you because I love you and I pray that you'll take this word and that you'll allow God to bring those new beginnings, his new script. Because this isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning of everything. 
And even through this time of coronavirus and no matter what it is that happens as a church, we, have, we may not be able to decide what steps be taken between now and, and the release of all of this, but I can tell you that how we choose to go through it will determine whether we come out on the other end fractured, divided, and weaker, or whether we see on the other end of this a church that's been strengthened, a church that's risen in courage, a church that's united, a church that's together, a church that stands in faith, fearlessly facing whatever the enemy might come against. We can come out like that. We must make that decision that no matter what it is that happens, no matter where it is that God takes us, that this is how we're going to come out on the other end. And whether it's weeks or whether it's months, it doesn't matter. What matters is how we go through it. Make those decisions. And listen, I want you to go be the church. Go out there and be that light. Go out there and be that hand. Go out there and be that love. Go be the church. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me as the Lord has spoken. Amen? God bless you. Have a great, a beautiful day today. Come on, let's sing this as we go. It's your breath in our life.